Sasha Kelly and welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, why does business news need to be all business? I grew up hearing stories about the space race between the USA and the then USSR. Leica, the space dog, Apollo 13, actually all the Apollo missions, Neil Armstrong's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It's these moments and stories that have just quickly become legend. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. But that was the space race between two governments. Let's fast forward to today, and we're in the midst of a new space race. But it's not governments building rockets and footing the bills. It's billionaires. It's Wednesday, the 12th of July, and today I want to know, what's driving this new race to space? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates. It's Simon Harvey. Simon, welcome back to The Dive. Thank you, Sasha. Great to be invited back for another go. <laughs> yeah, we let you back in. And this is a topic that you pitched to us. You were like, I'm really fascinated what's going on here. So give me a quick refresher on this billionaire space race. We've got Elon Musk, we've got Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. What are they all doing? That's right. So the current space race involves sending privately developed rockets and vehicles to various destinations in space, often in response to government programs or actually to develop the space tourism sector. And today, the billionaire space race is primarily dominated by those three names you mentioned, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, and Elon Musk. So Bezos, he has his Blue Origin company. They're seeking to establish an industrial base in space. Branson, he's got Virgin Galactic and Virgin Orbit. They're seeking to dominate space tourism. And Elon Musk's SpaceX, their long-term goal is to colonize Mars, as well as provide satellite-based internet through its Starlink project. So... Simon, basically, Richard's going to get us to space. We're going to then live on Mars. And then Jeff is going to help us send Amazon parcels to each other, right? <laughs> Sasha, maybe that's a future that does play out. But these three characters are being named the Space Barons. And they have a combined net worth of nearly 400 billion US dollars. So they've got plenty of money to spend. They're vying for that galactic supremacy but only time will tell who will take out the crown. And the reason we're talking about this today is that Virgin Galactic achieved a feat that Blue Origin and SpaceX had already achieved in the past couple of years. What happened? So yeah, Musk and Bezos, they launched with their first paying customers to the final frontier over the last couple of years. Uh, things really started heating up in 2021. In July that year, Bezos with his brother Mark, a Dutch teenager called Oliver Damon, a NASA trainee Wally Funk, who was 82, they all traveled to together 66 miles above Earth's surface. And since then, Blue Origin has launched 27 people to Edge of Space, including famed Star Trek celebrity William Shatner. It was so moving. This experience is something unbelievable. And on the 16th of September in 2021, SpaceX followed suit and they operated the Inspiration 4 mission, which was their first orbital spaceflight with only private citizens aboard. And last week, Virgin Galactic joined the party, didn't they? That's right. They definitely joined the party with their rocket plane, Unity. They completed its inaugural commercial flight and they carried its first paying customers to an altitude of around 80 kilometers. Mm. Now, this is a really exciting story, not only for the potential of space travel, but also for Earth or 
faster travel around the world. The suborbital flights that Virgin Galactic are working on might see us get from Sydney to London in two hours. I know for a Brit like you, that's definitely got to be a massive draw card, right? Yeah, it's a pretty exciting prospect, really, that these suborbital flights, they could revolutionise space and Earth travel. Mm. So how it works is that passengers like myself would be actually travelling up into space for a short period and then swiftly returning back to the Earth's orbit. So making those long journeys like from UK to Australia could mean actually shaving off an incredible 20 hours of travel time, which would truly change the world as we know it. Earlier this year, there were some pretty interesting headlines about after the UK Civil Aviation Authority announced it was preparing for this likelihood, perhaps as little as 10 years away, that this tech could go commercial. However, the challenge lies not only in the tech, but also considering the impact of the human body. And that is what the UK Civil Aviation Authority is testing at the moment, trying to really understand how people's bodies would respond from going through this process. Yeah, because it's interesting, Simon. At the moment, they think people can handle it, but they're not sure. So they obviously need to explore that a little bit more before they start, you know, saying, yeah, sure, you can all go up to space. (laughs) As excited as we all are. I want to say 10 years Sounds like a long way away to me, but I guess like we'll blink and it'll feel like it's here. So that's super exciting, but it seems like the major prize still is space tourism. Does Virgin Galactic's recent milestone take us closer to that prize? It takes us closer, but I wouldn't say close. It still feels like we have some time to go before this really becomes a widespread reality. Virgin Galactic, for instance, They've already sold 800 tickets for trips on their spacecraft. Customers putting down 150K each as a deposit and the total seat costing $450,000. Wow. However, these customers are actually just on a waiting list. They have no clear dates for their flights. And some experts believe that the relatively affordable space travel could be a possibility by the middle of the century. I really enjoy that they've recognised that 450000 isn't affordable. You know, sometimes in these stories they're like, you could do it too. And you're like, yeah, sure, if I have half a million bucks. Well, that's it. The, the costs remain enormous. And the 450 k actually, if you want to go on, that's with Virgin Galactic. If you want to go on Blue Origins, 11-minute journey, apparently that's costing around a million dollars. Whoa. If you're feeling really flush, Sasha, for $55 million, access. Axiom Space will send astronauts via SpaceX rocket to the International Space Station, which is a laboratory which circles Earth once every 90 minutes. It might be morbid, but I do have to ask, because I think this is when we're talking about these numbers and this idea of tourism that's so expensive, has the recent Titanic submarine disaster somewhat dulled the appetite of the ultra-rich to go on these high-risk adventures? Yes, it's a good question. The recent loss of the Titan submersible, which tragically resulted in the death of all five occupants while exploring the Titanic wreckage, highlights the potential dangers associated with these expeditions. And while it is tragic, nothing suggests that the growing trend of the world's wealthiest individuals venturing into the realms once reserved for explorers and scientists is slowing down anytime soon. Dennis Tito's $20 million investment in a week-long trip to the International Space Station in 2001 is often credited with initiating the era of space tourism. And now we're seeing companies like Virgin Galactic being created to respond to this desire of the wealthy to spend their money on extreme travel. I spent, as you know, uh, 60 years on Earth. And I spent eight days in space. And 
from my viewpoint, it was two separate lives. Look, Simon, all I can say is doing the maths, 20 million for a week, 1 million for 11 minutes, feels like he got a good deal. <laughs> it seems cheap now. I guess we'd have, to, we'd have to get our discounted cash flow calculator out, but it does seem like he got a good deal, doesn't it? Um, still wouldn't get me up there, but I, I am just doing the sums on that. So as we were researching this story, we realised that there's perhaps a bigger and more likely path for us to get to space, and that's via private space stations. We're going to talk about that after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. T minus 10, 9, Welcome back to The Dive. Today, Simon and I... Well, I don't know about you, Simon. I'm not entirely convinced about planning a holiday to space, but you might be firmly on board. Take your pick of the three. Don't know how you feel. And while the competition amongst the billionaire space barons, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson capture the headlines, there's actually a bigger story playing out. We're seeing the emergence of these private space stations. And the first of them might be launched in the next couple of years. What is the story here? Yeah, interesting story here. So the International Space Station is set to be retired by 2030. And there's now a race to deliver private space stations. So NASA has an aim to have at least one operational by the time the ISS is decommissioned, with the potential for multiple stations to be established. The International Space Station is really an amazing engineering achievement. In the last 21 years, there's been permanent human presence in space. And these private stations would serve as an alternative platform for scientific research, commercial activities, and also potentially space tourism. Space tourism. So there's plenty of money on the line and the race is on. Give me a lay of the land of the big players who are in this particular marathon run. Yeah, so there's actually a few to mention here. So we mentioned Axiom Space earlier. They're partnering with SpaceX and NASA here to actually attach a space station module to the ISS and later detach those modules to become independent space stations. Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Axiom Space is about making living and working in space commonplace. Aerospace giant Boeing, who we all know, they're in cooperation at the moment with Blue Origin, a company called Sierra Space and Redwire, and they're looking to build an orbital reef space station by the end of this decade. Oh, it's a very nice mental image that I've got there of like a floating circle in space. They do they do name these uh, very emotively. These I um, know, the marketing teams must have a field day. That's absolutely. <laughs> We've also got a fellow aerospace star, Lockheed Martin. They're working with a company called Nanorax to build a Nava space station dubbed Star Lab. And finally, we've got a company called Northrop Grumman, and they're also in on this, looking to develop a separate space station in Earth's orbit. But Simon, perhaps the most interesting efforts that we came across when researching this story aren't private space stations, but 
private space hotels. I'm just getting visuals now of like the Hilton in space. <laughs> well, you might not be too far away. So space hotels, it might sound like science fiction, but companies like Orbital Assembly, they're actually working on some really ambitious projects and they want to launch the world's first space hotel by the end of this decade. Wow. It's called Voyager Station, scheduled to begin construction in 2026. And Sasha, imagine being there. There'll be luxurious accommodation, up to 400 guests. There'll be villas you can actually purchase if you want a timeshare or a vacation home, <laughs> as well as themed restaurant, concert venues. Maybe they get Taylor Swift up there one day. Yeah. Bars, lounges, all with views of the earth. So you could be in the gym or a health spa and be looking down at earth. Stands pretty cool. So in essence, it's your standard high-end resort, but in space. Are you tempted, Simon? Would you go? I'm pretty tempted. <laughs> I mean, the, again, the marketing spiel really sells it. Yeah, I know. You in particular, you could be hired by them. Like the spiel you just gave then, that made me kind of rethink the whole thing. And the added bonus and the really interesting thing about these space hotels is like not only do you get that whole sales pitch, you don't have to look like an astronaut floating in the International Space Station, do you? No, you don't. So the, the station would have partial artificial gravity. So what that basically means is you're going to probably feel a bit lighter than you would on Earth, but you'll still be standing up. So you'll be able to stand at the bar and have your drink. Well, yeah, that's crucial. They've got to work that out so that your drinks stay in the glass, right? <laughs> Do we know how much a ticket to the Voyager Station Space Hotel is going to cost in case our ears have kind of pricked up and we have a new savings goal in mind? Yeah, so nothing official yet, but the Washington Post, they did estimate that it would be approximately $5 million US dollars. So plenty of saving to do. And also importantly, the passengers will have to go un undergo strict safety and physical training before boarding the shuttle for an approximately three and a half day trip to get there. Well, it sounds like I need to get on the Equinimates compound interest calculator and work backwards, see how long it's going to take me to get to five million. Good idea. <laughs> so what is the value of the space industry going to be in our lifetime? Like, let's say 2050, what's it going to look like? Yeah, again, estimates on the total value of the space industry by you know, middle of the century 2050 are quite difficult to predict. However, reports issued a few years back in 2017 by Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, they predicted that the space industry will grow exponentially in the coming decades. Quite bullish. And they believe it would reach a market value of over a trillion dollars by 2040 and almost three trillion by 2050. Simon, am I allowed to say that with ticket prices of over a million, like it's going to be a lot easier to get to those trillions than it would be if you're you know, selling shoes or something. That's true. It's a high unit price. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. true. Look, I think we'll leave it there for today. I want to congratulate us for not using any terrible puns like saying this episode was out of this world or, you know, we're taking you to another galaxy. So I've ruined it by kind of throwing them in the end there. But I really enjoyed talking about this one with you today, Simon. Yeah, thanks, Asha. Fun episode today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if you enjoy the dive, if we're part of your routine, there is one small thing that you can do and that is literally to send this to a friend it's one small action from you but it makes the biggest difference to us so i'm thanking you in advance we really appreciate it we love having new listeners and i'll see you later in the week 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.